Here is one of our many recordings from the Revolutionary Ideas Online Festival held on the 28th and 29th of November 2020. This was a weekend of Marxist discussion and debate held by Socialist Alternative. Want to join our fight? Go to socialistalternative.net today and get in touch to play your role in the struggle for a world free of capitalist oppression. What happened to George Floyd is a daily occurrence that happens to black working people, but also it's a response to the failure of the United States, particularly President Trump and also the Democratic Party, entire political establishment and responding to the COVID-19 pandemic, which also cutting through uh, black working class populations and is still doing so. Um, a little tidbit, a 14-year-old black, uh, oh, oh, 14-year-old black um, child, she was killed uh, by COVID-19, but four years prior, she was also a victim of police brutality and never got any justice for that account of police brutality. That is the country that we live in. The, and also, 54% of the United States uh, supported the burning down of Minneapolis police station during the height of the rebellion, which has never happened before, and that is not a thing in US society. Uh, so for simply the majority of the country to say it's okay for these protests to burn down the police, dis uh, police uh, district is amazing. Uh, and also it was led by working class, working class people, it was a multiracial rebellion, but particularly led by the youth that was really radic rapid radicalization as we saw really decide, um, uh, not even just the system, the capitalist system saying they could do all these things, failing, not just allowing police brutality and racist police to roam the streets, but also the failure of the system to respond to COVID-19, the economic crisis, et cetera. So there's rapid radicalization that was happening at the same time. There was also massive police repression. So like this which the United States was had never seen. Some people have framed it as a police riot coast to coast. Uh, for example, in Philadelphia, the city I'm from, there was a tier, uh, thousand of protesters went into the highway and I-676 was just a highway. A tier, police tear gassed the protesters, arrested them, kettled them. And there were children there, thousands of people. Uh, and discriminative violence in places like in Seattle, in Portland, New York, Oakland, you name a major city, there's most likely massive police repression there on a multiracial crowd. Last phase in Black Lives Matter, it was smaller and it was predominantly black people. So it was seen as, oh, black people, they're these looters, and that's why the police is acting so violently. Now it's, take, it's on a nationwide level to multiracial crowds kind of show that the police are on the other side. And so it's like working people on one side and the police on the other. And we saw that most in Portland with the moms for, um, uh, the bombs for Black Lives and stuff like that. SA, my organization, Socialist Alternative, we intervene across many protests and across the country. Uh, one of the most particular examples is Shama Sawant in Seattle, uh, a city councilor, uh, independent from the Democratic Republican Party, only only Marxist city councilor in Seattle, connected the tax Amazon campaign, which we have, which is long story short, which one was basically getting $200 million per year. I think the total amount is $2 billion in a certain time frame from Amazon, putting it to affordable housing, putting it to Green New Deal, et cetera, demands for working people. And it connected that also with the main demand of the movement, defunding the police, defunding the police and giving that to communities, to working people, because the police department's budgets in the United States is almost comically 
overflated over social services. For example, Philadelphia, the city's department has a budget of around $80 million. The Philadelphia Police Department has a budget of $700 million. That is the amount of budget that a lot of these police departments have. In Los Angeles, I think it's around $2 billion. So, um, and the reason why they do that is because they recognize that they need a strong internal force to help to make sure they protect property, because that's the role of the police, to protect, protect private property, but also intimidate working people. So it's not a coincidence in a crisis, particularly economic crisis, they were implementing austerity, cutting social service at the same time, giving more money to police budgets. And this is before George Floyd. So they already knew what was on the cards. They were already predicting social unrest. So they were putting more money to the police department. And Shama Sawan were able to combine those moves together and win good gains. And right now, because of that, she's currently being attacked by a racist right-wing recall campaign, basically saying that she shouldn't have participated in the Black Lives Matter protests, that she was quote-unquote unruly, and that she promoted unruliness, basically a racist attack saying Black Lives Matter protesters are unruly, and that she needs to be kicked out of city council. And already, not just the Republican Party, but the corporate Democratic Party is supporting that effort. In Minneapolis, comrades led the way in workplace action. Adam Birch, uh, you probably saw him in a uh, Jacobin article that was released I think, a couple uh, a couple months ago. They worked in the public, public, public transit union. And during the height of the rebellion in Minneapolis, the police demanded, and what they could do in the United States, demand that all the police, uh, the public transit buses go uh, into the city and help them arrest protesters. Basically, let us use your buses so we can bring mass load of protesters, arrest them, and put them in the jails. Adam Birch and comrades and also workers in that public transit uh, union said, no, we will not do that. They released a statement, which was very huge because you imagine the police had nowhere to put these protesters, they, even if they did arrest them. So they basically had to let the city they had to leave the city, allow working people to control Minneapolis for a good period of time. So it was really a massive uh, development. And when I went to Minneapolis, there were signs that said, thank you, Minneapolis bus drivers. It was a clear effect on consciousness. It also showed, can you imagine a workplace action, the decisive workplace action like that, actually helping the movement, not just like, we support you, but like, we support you. We're going to leave material support to that, really showing that the power of the working class and other places as well, we led protests in Philadelphia, we led a 2000 person protest. In other cities, we led similar number of protests. We built campaigns. Uh, I can't talk about this a lot uh, because it's a long story, but Pittsburgh also has a, a campaign, our Pittsburgh branch has a campaign called Stop the Station, which is combining uh, Black Lives Matter, also anti-gentrification because they're trying to build a 200 something million dollar police station in Pittsburgh and uh, evicting working class people. And generally our demands were these three things, to fund the police, um, and this would like, by how much depending on the local situation, community control of the police was basically a community control board, democratic elected, not mayor appointed, who could hire, fire police officers, who could control the budget, who could independently investigate, who would have subpoena powers, et cetera, so you can actually establish uh, an organization for working people to battle against racist policing because working people have no organizations or institutional levers whatsoever to control the police department. And I can't go into deeply just how broken, well, not really broken, it's working as intended, the police department in the United States and many countries. Um, 
But long, long story short is that working people have no say whatsoever what the police do in the communities and building a democratic elected community control board to combine community mass meetings will be the way forward. Uh, allowing working people to at least have some sort of leverage and build power in their communities. And also obviously that will call for who will sit on these bodies we can't just have anyone, we can't just have a Democrat or Republican. It will call for independent working class people, it will call for really a new working class party, independent from the Democrat Republican Party, that can not just run on elections, but it can be a hub for social movements like Black Lives Matter, like the union movement, like Green New, the Green New Deal, et cetera. It could be a vehicle for struggle because it's being seen clearly now as I move to the next part, why that is necessary. The U.S. Black Lives Matter movement does have one weakness, and that is the weakness to neoliberal corporate identity politics. And when I say that, I do not mean everyone in the Black Lives Matter movement agrees with corporate ID politics. No. What I mean is that there's a separation from the leadership of the Black Lives Matter movement, which is often not on the ground, often trapped in an NGO-style lair, non-governmental organization-style lair, and caught in these ID politics orbits. Some of them are genuine people, but the lack of a mass party in the United States and the lack of a revolutionary party in the United States have led genuine people attaching themselves to anything that might seem credible. And that's a lot of these NGOs, which is also means the Democratic Party. Many mayors and city councilors, which is also controlled by the Democrats, a lot of urban centers, not trying to give the Republicans any slack, the Republicans are the Republicans, as people probably know, uh, try to voice sympathy. One mouth, in one part of the mouth, they say Black Lives Matter, the other part, they call on the police to crush the protests. That's what we saw across the country. Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats in White House, in White House were wearing African-themed clothing. They took a kneel and they pushed through a shitty reform bill that basically was transparency. But what is the use of transparency if working people cannot do anything about it? There's no point of transparency. The Philadelphia Police Department got more, got $14 million more last two weeks even though Mayor Kenny uh, and the Democrats were saying, oh, we appreciate the protests, you know, Black Lives Matter, et cetera. The Minneapolis Police Department, oh, thank you so much, I'll wrap up soon. The Minneapolis Police Department got more than $500,000 after the Minneapolis City Council said they were going to abolish policing and change policing as we know it. Obviously showing that they, it's one, they can't abolish policing while abolishing capitalism because the police serve at the behest of the capitalist class. The police are not just out there by themselves. Where do you think they get the guns from, am I right? They're connected with the capitalist system, but also they were forced to say these things because of the mass movement on the ground, not because they were some, all of a sudden got a Marxist revelation that we need to uh, get rid of the police department. Some pundits have even said that there shouldn't be white people at the protests, that white people are uh, co-opting the movement. And this is a trick. This is the same thing about like allyship, uh, like people, white people need to be allies, white people need to stand beside, and this is really black people's moments to shine. This is not moralism. This is what happened in the last Black Lives Matter movement, and we got our fucking asses kicked. We got our asses kicked in Baltimore, and Ferguson, and Philadelphia, and genuine Black Lives Matter activists see white people coming to the movement as genuinely positive thing. Black people has always, Black people have always seen the need for a multiracial working class movement. Not even just a moralism, or kumbaya movement, but it was clear that Black people by themselves in small numbers cannot rival the police department of like New York or Philadelphia or Los Angeles, that we need a multiracial movement to effectively fight against the system. And so 
what we call for not allyship, but solidarity, building organizations, critiquing one another, because it's not just, oh, I, I like you or whatever, I feel sorry for you, but our liberation is connected. That building a multiracial working class movement is not just gonna benefit black people, it's also gonna benefit white working people and Asian working people, et cetera. And that is, I think, the consciousness of people we're participating in Black Lives Matter movement overall, but particularly young people, for the lack of organization cannot, it doesn't co cohere it in an effective manner, an organizational manner that can be represented through a program. So I want to say the last couple of things and I'll be done. So I might be a little bit over time, but hopefully I'll be brief. So if you saw like with Frederick Douglass, for example, more examples of the solidarity approach, Frederick Douglass, a former slave, talked about the union movement, basically saying that until white and black workers unite, there'll never be a good thing won by working people. We saw the Martin Luther King campaigns with like uh, the poor people's campaign that wasn't just black poor people, but it was all poor people around free housing, more wages, etc. We also saw the Black Panther Party who Figures like Fred Hampton created the Rainbow Coalition. They united uh, black workers, Appalachian workers. A lot of these Appalachian workers had backward, racist, misogynistic ideas. But also Fred Hampton and Black Panther Party members recognized that that's not so different from the black working class community. They were not like some patient, that's some saints. There's a lot of problems in the black working class community, but that's just because of capitalism. It's because of lack of organization. So we have to build these organizations because not only are it's only due to struggle that these ideas can be worn down because it's pretty hard to hold racist, sexist ideas to someone that's fighting alongside you. We recognize, oh shit, this person actually has my back. It must be the other fucking people that are, are not so good. Um, and also inherently, it's an international struggle. And that's also built into the solidarity approach. We saw in the last Black Lives Matter struggle that people are looking to Palestine, but also this was different. This time, the Black Lives Matter struggle in the United States sparked, uh, sparked off other struggles worldwide. And that wasn't noticed. It was seen as a point of pride. And a lot of people, and this is the last thing I'm gonna say, that capitalism and racial oppression is completely tied I think we saw that with the, least, the recent election of Kamala Harris, there's going to be a movement in the U.S. Black Lives Matter movement about what we do about Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris is not Obama. People hate her for a role as the district attorney in Los Angeles, her dealing with trans people, denying trans uh, people their uh, gender correction operations, et cetera. And so there's going to be a limitation of what identity politics can play at this time. And our task as socialists is really going to these movements and perfect as they are, but participate in these struggles and really point out that only socialism can really secure the liberations of Black people and working people as a whole. In order to get there, we need to build mass organizations, a working class party that can serve as a vehicle for struggle, not tailing the Democrats and Republicans who will talk about how they love Black people, whatever, that this country would never be without Black people, while they send police, police to surveil Black working class communities and cross protests by saying that the same police are crushing Black working class communities is the same police that crush picket lines. They have one job, one job only is defense of the capitalist system, and we need a party of our own to fight against that. So that's it. Um, thank you for the lead of Eric, um, an excellent, kept it to time and it was brilliant. Um, and now I'm really happy to um, uh, introduce Louise um, for her lead off. Hi everyone. 
Thank you for thank you for inviting me to speak today. Um, and I want to start talking about the new wave of Black Lives Matter movements, which has recently swept the UK this year, with an increased surge of campaigning following um, the awful killing of George Floyd, which shocked humanity to the core. Though George Floyd's death took place thousands of miles away, um, the outcry, the cry for racial justice was felt deeply in the UK as the words I can't brief associated with George Floyd were also the words of 46-year-old Jimmy, um, I'm, really, I'm really bad with uh, pronunciation, sorry, Mubenga, who choked as he was restrained on a deportation flight from the UK to Angola. Being separated by his family in 2010, more than 260 towns and cities held protests in June and July. Can everyone hear me okay, sorry? Thanks. <laughs> These have been described as the largest anti-racism rally since the, era, since the slavery era. We saw the toppling of the Colston statue, which became a focal point in the movement, causing a questioning of the appropriateness of all statues which had links to slavery with the aim of inappropriate statues removed from the UK. Placards were seen being held up, carrying the names of black people who had been killed by the British police. There were speeches given for the Windrush generation and the victims of the Grenfell Tower fire and decried the high COVID-19 death rate among black members, um, Asian and ethnic minority community. After Grenfell, the faces of the 72 victims who were mostly black, Asian and ethnic minority workers were shown on TV and in the papers in relation to the potential corporate manslaughter charges. There were public and media outcry regarding the fact that these individuals appear to have been considered dispensable by the ruling elite. Research indicates that the greater than average proportion of black, Asian and ethnic minority deaths under COVID-19 were due to discrimination in the health service. When the pictures emerged of the NHS staff who lost their life, it was mainly black, Asian and ethnic minority staff we saw. We heard how age, black, Asian and ethnic minority workers in hospitals did not feel comfortable raising their concerns about safety. A black A&E worker stated how black, Asian and ethnic minority people was considered um, was constantly pushed to work on COVID wards, while some white staff literally avoided going to work there. We heard of, how, of the black pregnant nurse who died after contracting COVID-19 at 35 weeks pregnant and the inquest into the failing of her treatment while ill. Migrant charges can also mean an effective death sentence for those who get the virus, particularly those working in essential workplaces. This didn't just happen, it was the outcome of policies implemented by Tory and new, new Labour governments over decades. The government appeared to have deliberately acted so as to make it impossible for new migrants to feel welcome in the new country. The 2014 and 2016 Immigration Acts created atmospheres where even, where even employers, landlords and many others were forced and were encouraged to turn in workers who they suspected weren't legally present in the country. Political parties appear to have competed with each other to see which one could de demonise migrant workers the most effectively. Even including the Blairites prior to 2015 with Ed Miliband's Control on Immigrants mug. These immigrants, these immigration acts is also what caused the Windrush generation to then have to prove they were citizens. The government had no records of their arrival. They had been Commonwealth citizens, so automatically granted citizenship. This was a cruel game where the impossible was demanded. Migrants who had lived legally for decades emigrated from Commonwealth countries and many of whom had built and maintained the NHS 
worked jobs on low pay to keep the economy running for decades after World War II, um, told they had no right to stay. Some stripped of medical care, state support and benefits. Death toll of this policy is still not announced. The government knew this and carried on regardless. And I can tell you, as a daughter of a Windrush scandal victim, just how bad this policy was. And my father was one of the lucky ones, and I say that term very lightly. He suddenly lost his job as he was told he no longer had the right papers to work. He was forced to go and sign on, um, which under the conditions of signing on, um, as some people may know, you have to actively look for work. Um, he had to apply for jobs. He, uh, sometimes he would be successful and work from anywhere between two days and several weeks until hearing the same words of not having the correct papers, papers which continued for years up until he retired. Um, he sought help from several solicitors, collating evidence from school certificates, doctors and dentist records, bills, birth certificate. Um, he got a copy of his boarding pass from the boat he came on in 1957, but no solicitor knew what to do. Um, he suddenly received a letter from the government two year, a couple of years ago stating he was going to be deported. Although he had heard a few of his friends had been deported, he thought it was a joke. Um, since he'd lived in this country for years, um, he'd had no trouble, he'd never been in trouble with the police. So he thought it was something that me and my brother had wrote um, as a joke. And it wasn't until me and my brother took him to solicitors the next day and he was told that this is serious and this is going to happen. And their advice was, you need to go into hiding, that he took it seriously. Um, and even though there was a compensation scheme for the victims of this, only 12% of victims claiming compensation have received payouts so far. There is now a new inquiry launched into the compensation scheme and the concerns that the victims have experienced serious delays and problems with this claim. In recent years, we have seen the government deport dozens of people to Jamaica um, who had already served time for mostly small-scale crimes. It's been reported that more than 50% of these have died following their deportation, which is why there has been an uproar in the chartered schedule, scheduled um, flight to, be, to deport more people to Jamaica next week. This is why the unions have to be absolutely central to the fight against systemic racism and the socialists work in the union to ensure they take this up. There are a number of disparities in recent history against racist bullying from management, but clearly the union leaders are not doing anywhere near enough to organise migrant workers to defend their rights in the workplace. So new unions springing up like UVW and IWGB have done it instead, where we have seen outsourced cleaners at at the University of London winning a 10-year battle to be recognised as staff. As socialist alternative, we need to fight for the teaching of the history of racism and empire in our schools. We need to see mass trade union campaigns for recruitment of migrant workers. We need to fight for union rights for migrants in both the public and private sector to end the pitting of workers against one another. We need mass protests organised by the unions and anti-racist groups against all threatened deportations. We need to see the closure of all detention centres immediately, give all detainees and illegal immigrant migrants full amnesty with rights to work and join unions. There is no iron distinction between the fight against racist oppression and class struggle more generally. 
to say one has to take priority over the other is missing the point about how they have to feed into one another as part of the overall struggle against the capitalist system and its effect on workers, black, Asian and ethnic minority people and all those oppressed. And it's really important that although we are, you know, in a pandemic now with COVID-19, it's important that we all take action still and fight against these. Thank you.